Welcome everyone to Easter at Chair City Church. So glad you chose to join us here today. It's our eighth Easter, our first Easter. I think we had like 80 people. Wow. You know, three services today, first time also. So glad that we are privileged to be part of something so special happening here. And uh, now, it is a special day, but I want you to know that most of what you're seeing here, if you're a guest, happens each and every Sunday here. For the most part, one difference is I don't usually wear a jacket, okay? Uh, and and the, the, that tradition started about seven years ago when a dear, precious, elderly lady who's now 91 years old, still with us, uh, Loretta, she said, you know, it would be nice if you at least wore a jacket on Easter and got dressed up for Easter. And so I'm thinking, Loretta's going to see Jesus before I do, most likely. And I wanted to put in a good word for me, maybe mention something nice and give, make it a good story when it comes to Dave Trelonga, right? So the jacket is done, right? Now, we all have a story. And your story will determine uh, what you think of yourself, how you perceive yourself in this world, who you say you are. We come together today because of a great story. I believe, many do with me, the greatest story known in the history of the world, greatest story we're told, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, on a Friday, crucified on the cross for the sins of the world, for Dave's sins, for your sins, for our wrongdoings, when we missed the target that God put out there for us to, to honor and to love him, and then resurrected from the grave on a Sunday, that first glorious Easter morning. Now, it's wonderful that we gather here on Easter, truly. I mean, I, I am so jazzed, and, and we are all excited to come together to honor God this morning, to connect to one another. Though the goal of the resurrection wasn't for Jesus to conquer death and say, hey, look, I did it, I did it, and now celebrate, acknowledge us for the next 2,000 years. Jesus intended to conquer death and rise again so that the power that raised him from the grave would be transferred to you. Romans chapter 8, verse 11. It's a great verse, a great Easter verse. The apostle Paul writes, the spirit of God, the power of God, who raised Jesus from the dead, lives in you. And just as, meaning he can, meaning the same thing that happened at Easter, God raised Jesus Christ from the dead. He will give life to your mortal bodies, meaning your mortal relationships, your mortal marriages, your dreams, some things that are, the things that are in your life that seem to be deteriorating, decaying, going in the wrong direction, going towards maybe a, a death. That same spirit that God raised Jesus Christ from the dead that gives life to your mortal bodies by the same spirit living within you. In other words, the resurrection power that lives in you, it's going to give you new life. It's going to change everything. It's going to give you an eternity. It's going to change your story. Now, the goal of the resurrection was not, again, we're glad to gather, but it, it was the objective was not to be an event or a holiday, but to be a happening within you so that you would know God intimately. And now, when I use that word God and, and intimacy, it, it kind of makes some people pause, shudder, a little uncomfortable with that. But this is your creator, your maker, who, who, who knit you in your mother's womb, knows you intimately, 
greater than anyone else. And as human beings, what we want more than anything else is to know and to be known. It's how God created us. And, and yet often we approach God with kind of a, a faulty mindset, you know, that pretty much God is there to, to kind of give us like a holy spanking, if you will, you know, when, we, when we've been bad or haven't done what we should, right? Or that he frowns on us what, when we're not doing what he tells us to do. Personally, I didn't grow up in church. I would go maybe once a year. And I think at some point I stopped doing that. In my latter teens, around 17, I became acquainted in a unique way with a church. And uh, it was a great experience, meaning the people were so good to me. Uh, and I had a sincere um, understanding and acknowledgement of God's presence in my life. And, and that as meaningful as it was, after about seven or eight months, I kind of drifted back away from the church and more into the lifestyle that I had before the church, actually in some ways probably worse as I got older. Now, but I did like the people so much. I mean, I had affection for them. Uh, I, I, and the pastor, I re respected her. I, I, and, you know, I just trusted her. She was one of the few people in this world that I truly trusted. And because of this, I would go to barbecues, uh, weddings, but I would, not, I would never go to church on a Sunday morning. I wouldn't enter the doors of the church. And when I would go to these different events, uh, the pastor often would be there, often amongst, you know, her people, as she would say. And uh, she'd see me, and she'd, you know, she'd say hello. But one time, and I've communicated this before vividly, it's in my, it's in my head, she walked up to me, said, hey, you know, she asked me, son? She said, hey, son? And by the way, she called me son because... She had cared for me. Her and her husband took me in when I didn't have a place to live and were kind of homeless, took me in to live with her family. They, had, they were raising her teenage grandsons, and I lived with them, and then she helped me find places to live with other people in the church over this course of seven, eight months. And so she said, son, are you walking with God? And she had these, like, crystal blue eyes. She's about, like, this tall. She looked up to me, son, are you walking with God? And, you know, I mean, I mean how do you answer that, you know? But I, I was quick, and I'd say, you know what? Well, you know, I'm, you know, I'm, not, I'm not walking with him, but I'm not walking away from him. It's, it's good. It's good. We, we got this, you know? And, uh, you know, by the way, that, you know, and, so, and then I thought, I said, you know what? Hey, but, but, but keep me in your prayers. Keep me in your prayers, which is a really good kind of, if you're talking to a minister and he's kind of getting into the deep stuff, it's a good way to just escape that and transition out of that conversation, part of the conversation if you're uncomfortable. Oh, keep me in your prayers, you know? It's so much better when you tell us, oh, yeah, 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 I, I, I'll be in church on Sunday. Because, yeah, like, you'll be in church on Sunday, and I'm Tom Brady's identical twin. You're not coming to church on Sunday. So, you know, I'm, I'm quick and I'm slick, and I basically ask her to keep me in her prayers. Now, she's a wise and a strong person. And she says, I'm praying for you. And she looks at me, she says, I'm praying that you'll be miserable. No, I'm praying that you'll be miserable. And at which point now she's got me on my back heels. And I'm like, you, know, like, you got to be kidding me. But I know not to like give her a hard time, right? Because she's on me. Truth be, before the conversation, and she kicked me too. And, and then she, but she looks at me like with tears in her eyes. And she says, I'm praying that you'll be miserable because you are walking away from who God says you are and who he's called you to be. Now I'm thinking who God says, hey, I'm God, God knows and I know that I'm bad. I am bad, man. I am, I am anxious. I'm volatile. I'm stable. I'm immoral. I'm just bad, right? It's, it's who I know myself to be. It's who I am. Now perhaps as I did, you, you think the whole goal of Christianity is to make a bad person good. 
But one of the, mes- one of the messages from the resurrection, from that glorious first Easter morning, is Jesus didn't come to make bad people good. He came to make dead people alive. We can be alive today because of Jesus. What that means is God takes those parts of your life, the marriages, the relationships, the the emotions, the past, the present, these critical areas, and they're just not where you hoped they would be. They're worsening. Again, maybe they're moving towards what seemingly be a death, and he makes them better. He brings life. Abundant life. The message of Easter is God wants to take what is dead and bring it to life to give us a new story, his story in our life. We all have a story. And from that story, we get our identity. There's a Lauren Daigle uh, has her song out there called You Say. Has anybody heard it? Yeah, yeah, it's, it's gotten really popular. Now, the song is a conversation that she's having with God. Uh, her Lord and Savior is Jesus Christ. And in this song, she's kind of going back and forth with who she says she is and who God says she is. And she's struggling back and forth with this identity of, again, who she says she is and who God says she is. So I want to listen to a uh, clip. My worship team's coming up. I want to listen to a, a clip from Lauren Daigle, describe what I'm telling you. The meaning behind the song. I keep fighting voices in my mind that say I'm not enough. It was the day after my very first Dove Awards, and um, I remember being completely overwhelmed. I walked into the studio, and Paul and Jason, my producers, were in there, and they're like, all right, what's going on in your world? How's it been? It was the first time we had written since How Can It Be? I just remember feeling like so much had happened the night before. How do I come back down? to normal? How do I come back down to reality? And started realizing these patterns of like really high highs and then, okay, now there's a low. Really high high, now there's a low. And involving expectation in that space can just um, leave you kind of questioning your identity. Where do I fit in? Where, Where is my security? Where is my footing? So when writing you say, um, I just remember feeling for the first time pretty conflicted. It was definitely the first moment in just being an artist that I was like, okay, where where is all of this going exactly? And I know that we've all faced moments in life where we can feel a crossroads happen, where we can see the past and also see the future and realize how we are supposed to exist in the present. And it was one of those moments where I could see where things were going and I knew exactly where I came from and I needed those worlds to still be married. And thus brought up the issue of just identity and trying to figure out how to exist when I feel like so many things were pulling me in so many different directions. With that, I think a lot of times we build these complexes about, you know, based on insecurity, based on fear, based on rejection, and just lies that we have to constantly overcome. 
And so this song for me was just a reminder of identity. It was a reminder that, you know, when I'm weak, he's strong. So how do I change that and bring that into my everyday life? When I feel inadequate, how is it that um, there's always these moments where I feel like God just steps in and supersedes my inadequacies. This entire song was so that every single night I would get up on stage and remind myself, no, this, this is the truth, this is the truth, this is the truth. Don't get buried in confusion, don't get buried in um, like waywardness. Just remember to steady the course, steady the course. So that's the story behind you today. So you're hearing these terms, story and identity. When I say your story, I'm not limiting that term to the history of your life. I'm specifically speaking to your self-story. Hang in there with me. Your self-story is where, for the most part, you're developing your identity. How you see yourself, how you think the world perceives you, how you're processing stuff that's happening in your life how you're responding to things. You develop your self-story to make sense and meaning out of life around you. You put together your self-story by taking parts of your past selectively, for what reasons, we're not sure, and, and said, this is who I was, and then you're kind of imagining and trying to construct how you see your future, this is what I'm gonna be, and you take this is who I was, and this is who I'm gonna be, and you marry that, and this is your identity, this is who I say I am. This is my identity. This is what I'm going to live from. This is how I'm going to interpret things. This is how I'm going to handle things. I'm going to respond to things. This is the spouse I'm going to be. This is the father mother I'm going to be. This is the employee I'm going to be. This is how I'm going to walk this earth. This is what I believe about myself. Many of us, we're living out from this story. It's our story. It's our motivation. It drives us. It haunts us. It hinders us. Sometimes it's that story that really is just weighing us down, depressing us. Sometimes it's a story that's driving us to accomplishments and success, but, but are, are we doing that at the expense of really not tapping into life, true life, let alone eternal life, and even peace and joy here on earth? As Franklin Covey would say, look, I don't mind, I don't have a problem with leaning, some, you know, climbing the ladder of success. The problem is a lot of people get to the top of that ladder and they realize, oh, wrong building. Okay? So, so uh, yet when I was preparing for Easter a few months back, my uh, youngest, Joy, she's 12, she, was, uh, she's, she, was, she said, hey, you know, she brought up our neighbor, Allie. Allie's a sparkling 10-year-old girl. She's, she's so sweet. She's got a, a bubbling personality, and, and she likes to, you know, toy around, you know, and uh, she likes to toy around a bit and sing, and, you know, like kids do around their home. And Joy said, you know, Dad, you know, Joy's very sensitive. She's very kind. She's like her mom. And uh, she said, you know, Dad, it'd be really nice, you know, if Allie could come in and, and, sing, to, and sing at our church, right? You know, it would make her feel good. And, and I said, you know, I thought about it. And then I said, you know what, look, could we become so big and so large that, you know, we, we couldn't help someone along with their story, right? We couldn't make a nice deposit into someone's story, especially in a context of a day like today, celebrating the resurrection, and in the context of the love of God, yes? So, here with us this morning to celebrate Easter and to sing the song You Say by Lauren Daigle is my dear neighbor, Allie Flannery.
did well there. Yeah, yeah. Thank you for treating her like that. That's wonderful. Yeah, yeah. Easter is all about resurrecting that which is dead and writing a new story. The resurrection of Jesus gives you the power to close the gap between who you think you are and who God says you are. Gives you a whole new narrative going on inside your head. Who he says you are. There's a story in the Bible uh, 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 that centered on a man named Lazarus. And there's something I want you to see in this conversation that's recorded in the Bible. And uh, it's in the book of John. And it takes place shortly, not hours, but days before Jesus was crucified. And there were these... uh, there's two sisters, Mary and Martha. Their brother is Lazarus. They're all very close with Jesus. Lazarus is, is one of the closest people on earth to Jesus. And Lazarus becomes very, very ill. And we read, and we read this in John chapter 11. Now, I want you to pay attention. There's something I want you to just, I want it to sink in, all right? I want you, there's, some, there's an understanding of God I want you to embrace here today. I want you to internalize it. It's just one verse, chapter 11, verse 3. It says, so the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. They didn't say, Lord, the one who loves you is sick. They didn't say, hey, Jesus, you know, Lazarus, our brother who reads the Bible more than anyone else, who prays every day without stopping, who, who, who just serves you like no one else, who loves you so much. That one is sick, right? And and we're hoping, Jesus, that all this is going to motivate you. It's going to move you. It's going to persuade you to come and do something great in his life. No, they said, Lord, the one you love is sick. You see, Christianity is not about human beings placating to a God, right? It's not you trying to satisfy this distant and disappointing God that's disappointed in you. Today, this Easter morning, know this truth. God is not motivated to help you because of our love for him or your love for him, but because of his love for you. That love, that great love for you, that when you were created and formed in your mom's womb, that that love is instilled in us. That we can love as human beings like no other creation. There's not a creature in the universe that comes close to being able to love the way we do. Why? Because we're created by a living and a loving God. 1 John chapter 4, verse 19 says, we love because he first loved us. We love. We love our spouses. We love our children. We love our friends. We love our God because he first loved us. So later on in this conversation about Lazarus, Jesus is talking to the sisters, in particular Martha. And he says something to Martha that defines Easter. John chapter 11, verse 25, Jesus says to her, Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. (laughs) See, he wants Martha to understand. He wants us to grasp this today, that the resurrection is not so much an event, right? It's not so much a holiday. It is a person. It is Jesus. Jesus is the resurrection. He's saying, I am today, I am the resurrection. Lean into me, hold on to me, surrender to me, trust in me, believe in me. I am resurrection. I am new life. I am who God says you are. It all comes back to that resurrection. 
Nothing more beautiful, nothing more powerful. Like I say often, in the history of the world, there was nothing more brutal and more, and more beautiful than the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. So it comes down to what Jesus is saying to Martha again and again. I am the resurrection and the life. And, he, and then he continues and he says this, the one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Three times he says that word believe, and it comes down to believe. Will you believe today that Jesus is the resurrection? Not only that it happened that that he is resurrection, that he is new life. We're not talking about giving this up or stopping this. We're talking about believing. Today it's about believing. Some say, you know, Dave, I've tried that. I kicked around. It didn't work for me. Today's Easter. Today's a moment to believe. God has brought you in here today to believe, to believe. Yes, you honored a parent, or yes, you came with a friend just to, to, to keep that great about the relationship. But today, believe. So I want to close this out with these, kind of a, an illustration. And um, there's a guy named Sir Kenneth Robertson. He, Robinson, he lived in England. And he did this presentation. Technically, it's a TED Talk. They give you 17 minutes, and you kind of bring a truth in a really captivating way about a particular subject. So Kenneth Robinson decides to do what's wrong with education. And he says the problem is not the books or the curriculum. It, 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 you know, no, no need to keep changing all that stuff. He said the problem is the culture. The problem is the, is the environment. He said the environment that education is set in is, will determine to what extent kids learn. Okay, so he closes out his TED Talk with a story that I want to share with us today. I want to close out. Sir Kenneth no longer lives in England. He now lives in California, right? And just a couple of hours away from where he lives is a place called Death Valley. Hmm? Now, they call it Death Valley because it's the hottest, driest place in our country. Nothing grows there. It's barren. It's ugly. In December 2004, there was an unusual weather pattern. They had never recorded such a pattern in their history of monitoring the weather there. In a few days, seven inches of rain fell on Death Valley. And the next week, Death Valley looked like Death Valley. Right? By Easter of 2005, that spring, this is what Death Valley looked like. Yeah. What they never realized, that Death Valley wasn't actually dead. It was dormant. It had potential. Right beneath the surface of what looked so ugly, what was so seemingly dead, was seeds waiting for a resurrection, waiting to come to life. All it needed was a moment, an environment for life to happen. Right? So that's what we're here today, to kind of to create this moment where you can realize that God is calling you to this environment, this way of living, this story where life can truly happen for you where you can say today, I believe. And, be, and, and to know that beneath the surface of what might be a messed up life, a messed up marriage, or a dry or weary type of a relationship, you know, beneath the surface of your personal struggles, your mistakes, your past and present, are seeds of potential waiting to blossom, seeds waiting for a resurrection in a moment like today. I believe it can happen. I believe in God. I believe he is here with you. His presence is amongst us to pour that resurrection power into you as you believe. Now, here's what I want you to do. I want you to take that connection card that you were handed when you came in. I think I have one, yeah. 
So we, really, we appreciate you completing it. It gives us this indicator of, of that what we're here to do is being accomplished. We don't hound you. We don't hassle you. We do a tremendous amount in the community, as Christy's sharing with you. It keeps going through the year. So perhaps if you want, you can be notified out, but you don't need to be. We just want to know that you were here today and you joined us. It means so much that you are a guest. Now, on the other side of the information, it says, my next step. And you're going to see a list quickly. It says, I would like to get information about next. That means you want to hang out with me and Christy. We have pizza. We have some snacks. We hang out with a group of people. And we tell them more about how this came to be, Chair City Church, and our vision and our values. It's a cool time. It's kind of, you know, usually about 8 to 15 people. You want to be part of that, you check that box off. You know, I, I, I want to start serving. Serving is huge here. Really, it's, as you can see, today we'll have between 90 and 100 people serving, right? We serve. It's where we build more relationships. We're, we're teams, and what we're doing is effective. You can, you know, there's no big hurdles. There's no hoops to jump through. You want to check that box off. How about being baptized? Yeah. You know, Jesus called us to be submerged in water, to be baptized. Now, when you check any of these boxes off, you're not committing to anything. You're just saying, give me some more information about being baptized. Our baptized are so celebratory. They're so energetic. It's such a wonderful time. And then here, you know, how about Life groups. Life groups is where we come together during the week in people's homes. There are things we can do in circles that we can't do in rows. Some of them meet here as well in some of the rooms out there. We learn things about marriages, finances, uh, books of the Bible, different parts of our, our lifestyle. We build relationships. Check any of those boxes off and we'll just get you information. But here we go. Ready? My next step, my moment in this environment, I have decided to start a relationship with Jesus. You see that right at the top? I've decided to renew my relationship with Jesus. These two boxes, you know, here's how you know you should check off one of those boxes. If you can say within yourself, today I want a new story. I want my story to start with this. Jesus, thank you for going to the cross for me, for paying for my wrongdoings, my sin. You did that. I believe in that. I don't want to live my life without you. I want your resurrection power in me, in my dreams, in my marriage, in my relationship, with my children, with my friends. As I, as I get through day to day, I want your resurrection power in me because you gave your life for me, Jesus. Today, I give you my life. Now, if that's you, I assure you, as someone who did it when I was 28 years old, that you are starting a new story. And it's a phenomenal story right? You want to complete that card. You want to bring it to the guest services table. You'll hand them the card. They'll give you a, a, a gift package different from the one that you'll receive here. So you'll get two packages, actually, if you're a guest and you're doing this. But what, the, what you're getting is salvation. What you're getting is the power of the resurrection now living in you. What you're getting is a new story. And if you're not into connecting or reaching people it's too much, just drop the card in the connection box on your way out. It's time to say goodbye. So glad you joined us. I close you out with a scripture from the book of Ephesians, chapter 1, verse 9. The apostle Paul writes, I pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe in him. This is the same mighty power that raised Christ Jesus from the dead and seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. When you believe that same resurrection power that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. I know this. I've experienced it. That's why I'm here today. My prayer is that today this happens to you. So Easter is not an event. It's an experience, a life-changing experience. To God be the glory. Have a great day.